Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Show. Please take your seats as the feature presentation is about to begin. Well, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us. I'm Marcus. This is Nick. Hello. And together we are hosting the Sunshine Cinema Show. Now, it's been a very busy week for me. I've been writing a new film, which will hopefully impress Nick enough that he's going to direct it for me. So here we go, Nick. This is the pitch. Okay. It's a 1970s disco dancing extravaganza starring a white-suited dog that likes to strut its stuff. It's something that I'm going to call Saturday Night Retriever. What do you reckon? Do retrievers come in white? I thought it was just uh, just golden. It's wearing a white suit. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Obviously. Okay. He's doing a soundtrack for this one. Um, cool people. Okay. <laughs> no, no dog-related bands that you can think of off the top of your head. <laughs> Baja men uh, who let the dogs out. Okay. That'll okay. be in there. Sure. Not very seventies. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, the. No. <laughs> no, no. Interesting coincidence. Saw Saturday Night Fever for the very first time last night. What? Yeah. Is that true? That's well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know where I'm coming from then. I did, well, yes. We, we, re- we replaced John Travolta with a retriever. With a dog, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Nick's on board with that, so that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll work on that a bit more. It's it's greenlit. Okay. <laughs> I, w- I work for the Netflix. I've got money to burn. Oh, nice one. There we go. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, we're going to be reviewing El Camino, uh, the Breaking Bad spin-off movie that follows the fugitive Jesse Pinkman. Or perhaps you might fancy something light-hearted from the creators of Despicable Me. Then you might be interested in hearing about The Secret Life of Pets 2. And in between those reviews, we're going to invite you to play our Take 5 film quiz. But now, here's Nick with the latest movie news. Thanks, Marcus. So the headlines this time, Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern and Sam Neill reunite for a third Jurassic World film, Paul Dano to play the Riddler in The Batman, and Daniel Kalira to produce live-action Barney the Dinosaur movie. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that later. In a move designed to boost interest in the third Jurassic World film, producers have announced that Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern and Sam Neill, stars of the original Jurassic Park blockbuster, will appear in the new instalment. According to Deadline, the three actors will reprise their roles from the Steven Spielberg-directed dinosaur film, released in 1993 to record box office. Goldblum played uh, mathematician Ian Malcolm, utterer of the celebrated life, Life uh, Finds a Way, while Dern and Neil play paleontologists Eddie Sattler and Alan Grant. The Jurassic World spin-off series began in 2015 after the disappointing commercial box office of The Lost World Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 3 and proved a substantial box office success, taking $1.7 billion worldwide for Jurassic World and $1.3 billion for its 2018 follow-up, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Currently known as Jurassic World 3, the new film will be directed by Colin Trevorrow, returning to the series after stepping aside for J.A. Bayona for Fallen Kingdom, and stars Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. It's due to start shooting next year with a planned release date of the 11th of June, 2021. Interesting. Mm? How are you feeling about this? I, I mean, I... As we reviewed it on the programme, I wasn't a, a, a big fan of the, the first Jurassic World film. I, I hear that the second one is much 
much better, much more of a uh, like a monster movie sort of allows itself to be a little bit goofier, which um, I suppose you could say about the uh, first original Jurassic Park film back in the day. The the first one, I think, completely holds up as a just a fantastic film in its own right. And I, I do have a, a, a slight soft spot for Jurassic World 3. <laughs> Jurassic Park 3 as well, although it's not a, a particularly good film. <laughs> one name that you mentioned there that hooked me in, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. God, that guy's good. Yeah, but he, he had a cameo in the, in the second Jurassic World film, I think. Very small. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, I, I, I think pretty much the entirety of it was also in the trailer for the movie. Uh, well, he's one guy that, uh, if we could get him on the show... Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be amazing. I mean, there's probably a million people would like to get on this show, but Jeff Goldblum, he's, he's at the top, isn't he? I think so. Can you imagine? Yes. He's just so entertaining to listen to. Yeah. And I'm sure he's listening to this. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. We can slot you in. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he would be a lot more receptive to you, to your uh, your movie pitches. <laughs> yeah, he might. He, actually, he would. He would. He'd give her it. He's, he, he rolls with just about anything. A dog in a white suit. I'm in. He'd love it. That's all he needs. <laughs> Paul Dano will take on the villainous role of the Riddler in The Batman, a new noirish take on the DC story. The There Will Be Blood star, who was recently nominated for an Emmy for his performance in Escape from Danamora, will join Robert Patterson playing Batman and Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. The Batman comes from the director of Cloverfield and Dawn and War of the Planet of the Apes, Matt Reeves, who is seeking to make a more grounded take on the character. Jonah Hill had been in, in talks for the role, but recently decided against joining the project. The role of the Riddler was previously played by Jim Carrey in 1995's Batman Forever. According to Warner Brothers, the character will be known as Edward Nashton. What's exciting about Batman is how it relates to now and also how personal it can be, Reeves told The Hollywood Reporter earlier this year. It's very much a point-of-view-driven noir Batman tale. It's told very squarely on his shoulders, and I hope it's going to be a story that will be thrilling, but also emotional. The cast will also include Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon, played by Gary Oldman in Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Last year saw Dano's directorial debut with drama Wildlife, starring Kerry Monaghan and Jake Gyllenhaal. He's also attached to The Power of the Dog, the new film from James Campion that will also star Kirsten Dunst and Benedict Cumberbatch. Media sources suggest the Batman will begin production late this year or early 2020, with a summer 2021 release confirmed. Casting news follows the record-breaking box office success of Joker, which has made $548 million worldwide since its 4th of October release. Next year also sees the release of the sequel Wonder Woman 1984, as well as Birds of Prey, starring Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. She previously played the character in Suicide Squad, which made $746 million worldwide. Is that you? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that is well. Okay, I thought it might be new stuff in Galaf or something. No. <laughs> yeah. Just before we go any further, just want to acknowledge I have a, a slight cold, so I'm, 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 I'm sorry if I become a bit more a bit more breathy and husky than, than usual. <laughs> something to look forward to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen The Joker? Yes, so we'll talk a bit more about it uh, when we get to the, the box office top five. Okay, so without going into that, I've seen the trailer for it. I'm looking forward to seeing the film. I'm looking forward to it because it seems to be a very different style of a superhero film. Yes. Um, maybe realistic isn't the right word, but much more grounded, gra- as as Matthews said in the in the in the story there. Yes. So if they do that with the, the new Batman film, I'm actually looking forward to seeing that. And Paul Dano, yes. I th- yeah. I mean, on that note, absolutely perfect casting. Riddler is. 
Uh, he's a character that basically he basically has uh, two superpowers. One, he's, he's really really smart, and he's incredibly arrogant, <laughs> and and <laughs> basically very similar to um, the the role that Paul Dano played in There Will Be Blood. So I, I can def- I can see him in that already. I'm really excited to. And I think it would have been a, a bit of a, a stretch, a challenge for Jonah Hill. I love Jonah Hill, but in that role, he was too comedy. It's like perhaps yeah. It, it's mainly too. Who was the other Riddler? Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey. Yeah. I mean, Jim Carrey as the Riddler is all the way to the extreme. Yeah, Jim Jim Carrey, I, I thought, was always trying to make it more like the Joker. I thought he was sort of very similar to what uh, Cesar Romano was. Romano? Romero? In, in, in the 1966 sort of Batman TV series. That was, yeah, that was a very different... <laughs> Everything about 60s Batman was very different. Everything about Batman Forever was uh, very different as well, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Yes. So our final interesting story. Daniel Kaluuya and Mattel are teaming up to make a live-action Barney the Dinosaur movie. The Oscar-nominated star of Get Out will produce the film based on the children's TV character who hosted Barney and Friends from 1998 to 2009. I had no idea it ran for that long. <sighs> Barney was an ubiquitous figure in many of our childhoods. Then he disappeared into the shadows, left misunderstood, said Kalua. We're excited to explore this compelling modern-day hero and see, if <laughs> and see if his message of I love you, you love me can stand the test of time. Specifics of the plot are yet to be revealed, but Mattel Films' Robbie Brenner has stated that the film will take some unexpected turns. Working with Daniel Kalua will enable us to take... <laughs> will enable us to take a completely new approach to Barney that will surprise audiences and subvert expectations, said Brenner. The project will speak to the nostalgia of the brand in a way that will resonate with adults while entertaining today's kids. The project joins a number of other major films in development from the toy company. Earlier this year, it was announced that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach will co-write a, the, the script for a new film based on Barbie, said to star Margot Robbie. To all the boys I loved before star Noah Centineo is starring as He-Man in the new take on Masters of the Universe, while films based on the Magic 8-Ball and Viewmaster toys are also in the offering. I'm not making any of this up. Since scoring an Oscar nomination for his role in Jordan Peele's hit horror Get Out, Kalira has been seen in Widows and Marvel's Black Panther. He will next be seen in crime drama Queen and Slim, which will open this year's AFI Festival in November. He's also attached to fact-based drama Jesus Was My Homeboy, which will tell the story of Black Panther party member Fred Hampton. That final story, I'm not even sure if I believe anything you just said. That is off the scale ridiculous. This is something that it's uh, news that broke... Um, yes, yesterday, Friday, it was we were recording this on a on a Saturday, and pretty much everyone had the same reaction. Really, we weren't entirely sure what to what to make of it. Live action. I think it's a Barney live action. the dinosaur. Live action. Well, the series was live action. It was a man in a, in a suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they ain't going to do that, are they? I, well, who knows? <laughs> wow. Okay. And Daniel Kaluuya. I mean, you could just have randomly picked a name and it would not have been any less ridiculous it's yeah what I, I, that, well, that, that's what we can say about this what <laughs> I mean okay um <laughs> yeah just uh just give us a minute and we'll think about this what just yeah you're listening to Nick and Marcus on the Sunshine Cinema Show please remember don't get them wet 
keep them out of bright light and never feed them after midnight. Well, you're listening uh, to the Sunshine Cinema Show, and now we're going to give you a rundown of the top five UK box office films and the top five UK film rentals. Let's start at the box office, and this week's number five is Downton Abbey. Yes, which um, something sort of ties in neatly to a, a film we'll be talking about later. We haven't seen this one because we uh, yeah, didn't watch the original show, so we've got no real reason to. But uh, I understand that it's quite good for people that uh, like the show. It's doing well, doing well. Number four, we have Judy. Yes, which I have seen, just sort of went on a win with um, my mum and my my sister. It's very, very similar to Stan and Ollie, which came out at the, the very beginning of this year, didn't it? I think it just happened to be in the, um, the awards ceremonies at the beginning of the year. It came out in January, I think. Uh, I would say that Judy is a slightly better film. Renee Zellweger is you know, really, really good in the... Uh, uh, in the lead role, uh, that's about it. <laughs> I think. I think I said this about Rocky Man when I reviewed it earlier in the in the year. Take your mum. It's that kind of movie. <laughs> Judy, take your mum. <laughs> At number three, uh, we have Gemini Man. Yes, which I've I've also seen. Um, starring Will Smith. Starring Will Smith. Starring and, Will Smith. And starring Will Smith. Yes. Young Smith and Old Smith. Yes. Yes. And Clive Owen in the uh, the least convincing American accent I think I've ever heard from, <laughs> from just about anyone, and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is very good. Uh, so I've, I've seen this in the uh, this well, this is something that was filmed in uh, a higher frame rate. So before you explain that, yep. just give a quick synopsis of the film. Oh, um, Will Smith retires from the CIA. Uh, a certain section of the CIA says that no, don't do that, and they send a uh, someone to kill him who turns out to be. This isn't a spoiler because it's in the poster. Uh, a, a younger clone of himself. And this uses uh, the CGI technique of um, putting old footage, uh, CGI footage. It's, well, it's, I think it's a mixture of... I think I remember reading that there was a, uh, a younger stand-in actor and then a, a de-aged version of Will Smith's face has been sort of superimposed on, on that. So it's a mixture of, uh, of different techniques. So it's like Will Smith versus the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Basically, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, but unfortunately, it's not as not as interesting as <laughs> as that. Um, so I saw this in the in the the high frame rates three uh, D presentation. Most films are recorded at uh, well, that um, sorry, projected at twenty four frames a second. Uh, Gemini Man was uh, filmed in uh, I think one hundred and twenty frames. Mm. <sighs> I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a way to make the 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 three D part of the presentation less distracting basically it looks like you're looking at all of this stuff happening outside your window which is interesting unfortunately it's pretty much the only interesting thing about the film because the, the film itself is one of the i think least engaging action films i've seen in quite a while i don't think there's even an action scene until about halfway through the film <laughs> which is two hours long and that's a long time to to wait it's a shame really because it's, it's coming from the, from ang lee who directed life of pi Crouching Tiger and Dragon, Broke by Mountain, all you know, great films. This is just, just planned, unfortunately. <laughs> well, let's move on then to number two, Abominable. Yep, another Yeti movie. Another animated Maybe, Yeti Maybe movie. it's good. It's coming from the same team that uh, gave us the How to Train Your Dragon movies. I think it was a co-production with a, a Chinese animation studio as well. Uh, but we've seen two Yeti movies this year already, one of which is, was quite good, one of which was not. And, yeah, I think that's enough for us. And at number one in the UK box office, we have Joker. 
Yes, much anticipated, much discussed, um, much seen. It's done very well, the, the, the two weeks it's been out. I've seen it as well. I I think I'm still processing it to uh, a certain degree. I think it was okay. It didn't blow me away to the extent that um, some people have, um, you know, some people have really engaged with it and liked it. Other people have uh, sort of dismissed it. I'm sort of somewhere in the middle itself. I think it's as an attempt to make a sort of taxi driver style film and then put a superhero sort of clothes on it. It's it sort of visually it works okay. The Rocking um, Phoenix is great in the lead role. The you know, acting all around is um, good. Except for Robert De Niro, who's a, you know, a little bit stiff. I just think the, the script isn't quite there. And maybe when it comes out on DVD, we'll talk a bit more about it in detail. Especially when in comparison to Taxi Driver, which I rewatched the the day before seeing Joker, and I think there's, uh, I think it does a lot of things well that Joker does doesn't quite excel at. Okay. Okay. It's a, yeah, yeah. We'll leave it there because I feel like we will get a chance to review it when it's out to rent. I think that's best. Yeah. Okay, let's fly through the UK film rentals. Number five, Lone in Black International. Yep, but it's, it's in there. It's there. Still not seen it. Okay. Number four, Aladdin, starring Will Smith. Starring Will Smith, yeah. Superposed onto a genie this time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, number three, Rocket Man. Take your mum. <laughs> there we go. Previously reviewed on a program, give it a six out of ten. Uh, number two, The Secret Life of Pets 2, which we will be reviewing uh, later on in the show. The uh, acronym of which, if you drop the T, is uh, SLOP. Stop to <laughs> from this point forward, which is what we'll refer to as. Okay. And at number one, we have X Men Dark Phoenix. Mm. It's another X Men. It's another X Men <laughs> doing the things that they do. Yep. Now, look, if you've seen any of these films, we would love to know what you think about them. We'd love to share your thoughts, and you can contact us via Twitter. We are at Sunshine Cinemax. But up next. Jesse Pinkman is on the run after the events captured in the finale of Breaking Bad. We review El Camino. This is the Sunshine Cinema Show. You're listening to the Sunshine Cinema Show, and it's time now for our first review of the programme, which is El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, rated 15. In the wake of Jesse Pinkman's dramatic escape from captivity, he must come to terms with his past in order to forge some kind of future. I don't know what to tell you. I ain't said like 500 times already. I have no idea where he is. Don't know where he's headed either. North, south, west, east, Mexico, the moon. I don't have a clue. But yo, even if I did, who wouldn't tell you? Because I've been watching the news, same as everybody else. I've seen that little cage of his they kept him in. I heard about what all they did to him to make sure he kept cooking. So sorry. I don't know what to tell you. No way I'm helping you people put Jesse Pinkman back inside a cage. El Camino was written and directed by Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad. Aaron Paul reprised his role as Jesse Pinkman. And several actors also appear in flashback sequences, including uh, Jesse Clemens, the large version of Matt Damon, uh, Kristen Ritter, and Brian Cranston. This was also the final film to feature Robert Forster, who sadly died on the day of its release. Uh, okay, Nick, um, I suppose an obvious question to start with is, 
does this work as a standalone movie or is it more of a, an extended episode for fans of the Breaking Bad TV series? It's definitely more of the latter, but that, that's not a bad thing. I, I think it's upfront about that as well. The subtitle tells you exactly what to expect. It's a Breaking Bad movie. It's a two-hour extension that works as, a, as an epilogue to the series. So I don't think there's anything here to recommend the film to people who haven't seen the show, but it's it's not as if Netflix has been promoting this as a an entry point for, for new viewers. I mean, the conversation around the film has simply been, here's a couple more hours with a character you liked whose future at the end of the show was somewhat uncertain, which might have been a bit too vague for people to properly set their expectations, sim- simply because we weren't sure what to expect. Uh, I personally did not have that problem because you saw it first and you were, uh, in your own words, not excited by the film, which suggested to me Okay, maybe this will be uh, uh, this will be quieter, with like maybe more emphasis on internal conflicts than than external. And while there is some action, it's that's pretty much what the film is aiming for. It's true that I too was not excited by it. There's nothing here that really surprised or, or shocked me. That um, like you know, for example, the final episode of season four. But the film doesn't doesn't need that. What we get instead is Vince Gilligan being introspective. Um, after the success of the TV show and asking after a series in which pretty much everyone involved ended up in a bad place is there a possibility for one character to redeem themselves and can we turn this into a western film along the way and I think it succeeds at both of those um, I think it succeeds more at the first but there's a there's a good effort made at the second uh, obviously the most important factor for most fans will be the, the return of several familiar faces spearheaded by Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman who has to carry the film as a lead after being more of a supporting character in, in the show and he's he's terrific as he was on the show uh, but the film reminds you of how much his character has changed over the course of the of the series through the use of flashbacks, the film has scenes with Paul playing Jesse at uh, different stages of his life, and he completely rises to the task. And it's, it's a reminder of how good he was on the show, and you know how good every actor on the on the show was. Uh, I don't want to detail all of the returning characters because there's more than you might think, thanks to the flashbacks. But I do want to say I'm, I'm glad we got to see more of Todd, played by Jesse Plemons. Uh, we get to learn a little bit more about his uh, somewhat warped personality, Robert Forster. Um, yeah, returns as well. And, you know, as we said, he sadly passed away the day the film was released, making this his his final role. And you know, he he was simply an amazing actor, and it's it's nice to see him one last time in in a role that I think make, makes good use of his acting talent as well. The film also reminds us that the the show had a distinctive style to it as well. And it, again, it's it's somewhat muted here, but the film does still feel like Breaking Bad. There's, there's one scene um, in which an apartment is being completely dismantled by by one person and scenes of that nature they often well i think always owe a debt to the conversation from 1974 but el camino approaches it in a way that feels distinctly breaking bad uh dave porter returns to do the score which is equal parts uh breakbeat and ambient and again 100 percent in line with the the style of the show i think that's it really in short it's it's a bit more breaking bad <laughs> fair enough well, let's get a Sunshine Cinema show rating then. Okay, I'm going to go for a seven out of ten. It's it's not outstanding, but it's it's nice to see some of those faces one more time. Um, it's very much a four fans only film, but speaking as a fan, reviewing the film as a fan, it's I was fully engaged all the way through. 
Are we going to mention this? Is this is on Netflix exclusively? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's Netflix exclusive. There we go. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Nick. Up next, it's the Take Five Film Quiz, and stay tuned. Later on in the show, we will be reviewing The Secret Life of Pets Two. You're listening to Nick and Marcus on the Sunshine Cinema Show. Now, as always, if you are uh, able to uh, see any of these films and pass on your thoughts, we would love to hear them. Uh, tweet us at Sunshine Cinemax. And you can also use that uh, Twitter address to let us know how you get on with our Take 5 Film Quiz. So this week's quiz for you to play along with has five movie trivia questions, all with multiple choice answers. You're challenging Nick. And this week, I'm going to issue him with a target score. Okay. I would expect you, Nick, to score at least three out of five. Okay. So let's start with question number one. In Titanic, who really drew the cheeky charcoal picture of the topless Kate Winslet? Was it Leonardo DiCaprio, James Cameron, or Kathy Bates? Who really drew the cheeky charcoal picture of Kate Winslet? DiCaprio, Cameron, Bates. Is it, is it their hands in the shot? It's, it's the person who genuinely drew it. Mm. I think... I wouldn't like to say whether it's their hands in the shot. Okay. Question two. How many balloons lifted the house in the animated film Up? Oh. <laughs> How many balloons lifted the house in the animated film Up? Was it 567... 6,107 or 10,297 So how many balloons is it? 567 6,107 or 10,297 Trying to picture how big the the mass of balloons was in comparison to the house Okay, question number three. On The Wizard of Oz, which of the following was paid the most? Toto the dog, a munchkin, or the cowardly scarecrow? Hmm. On The Wizard of Oz, which was paid the most? Toto the dog, a munchkin, or the cowardly scarecrow? Cowardly scarecrow. Not the cowardly lion. What was Gecko's deal? I'll let you think about that. I can't remember what you... What was he after? Oh, a brain. That was it. Question four. Christian Bale's performance in American Psycho was inspired by who? Was it Ronald Reagan, Nick Cave, or Tom Cruise? And finally, question number five. 
John Landis gave which other director a cameo in Beverly Hills Cop 3? Was it George Lucas, Frank Oz, or David Cronenberg? So let me give that one again. John Landis gave which other director a cameo in the film Beverly Hills Cop 3? George Lucas, Frank Oz, or David Cronenberg? Hmm. Have a think. Hmm. And we'll do that with the answers after this. In a world fraught with corruption, two men united by fate, torn apart by destiny, somewhere between courage and not courage, between the pharmacy and the podiatry clinic, you'll find Nick and Marcus in the Sunshine Hospital Radio Studio. Only they can bring you the Sunshine Cinema Show. Okay then, let's get the answers for the Take 5 Quiz. How are you feeling, Nick? Confidence? Uh, somewhat. Okay. Let's see if you hit that target of three. Question number one in Titanic. Who really drew the cheeky charcoal picture on a topless Kate Winslet? I'm going to go with James Cameron. It's correct. Question two. How many balloons lifted the house in the animated film up? The, um... The, the middle one. <laughs> 6,100 6, something, yeah. Incorrect. Nah. It was 10,297. Yeah. And the animators actually created every single balloon. Yeah. Even the ones that you didn't see. Mm. Amazing. Question three. On The Wizard of Oz, which of the following was paid the most? Toto the dog, a munchkin, or the cowardly scarecrow? Uh, I know that the munchkins weren't paid uh, very much at all. So I'm going to go with I'm going to say Toso the dog it was an easy choice in the end if you knew that the munchkins weren't paid much mm. as I had thrown in a little cheeky trap with the cowardly scarecrow okay which as you correctly identified is not a character right <laughs> <laughs> so the munchkins were paid $50 per week Toto the dog got $125 per week <laughs> So Toto was the correct answer. And he doesn't pay taxes either, so you know, he's got to keep even more of it. Question four. Christian Bale's performance in American Psycho was inspired by who? Uh, well, I can see the Ronald Reagan connection, considering it's it's set in the 80s, isn't it? Sort of light of the, uh, the, the yuppie era when he was president. But I think I'm going to say Tom Cruise. It's correct. Oh, good. Well done. Apparently, uh, Christian Bale saw Tom Cruise on a chat show and saw his overwhelmingly enthusiastically uh, appreciative and happy behaviour and thought, hmm, I think I could use that. Hmm. I I can see the connection in this this performance in the film. And finally, John Landis gave which other director a cameo in Beverly Hills Cop 3? Um, Simply because he's the only person on the list who's known as being a performer. I'm going to go with Frank Oz. Is incorrect. Ah. It was George Lucas. However, John Landis has a reputation for getting other directors on board, and Frank Oz and David Cronenberg 
have both appeared in other films that he's done. Oh, okay, okay. So, does, does George Lucas play himself in, in that film? I don't know, actually. Oh, okay. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. So there you go, if you'd like to talk your scores up, Nick. Uh, when you know it, three out of five. Wow. Feel very pleased with yourself, as you have achieved my target. Well done. And if you equal Nick, or even beat him, let us know. You can tweet us, at Sunshine Cinemax. Up next, we review The Secret Life of Pets 2, the animated sequel following the further adventures of Max the Dog and his pals. This is Nick and Marcus, exclusively on The Sunshine Cinema Show. So we just uh, looked it up, that uh, sort of George Lucas appearance in Beverly Hills Cop 3. Um, I don't know if he's playing himself, he's just sort of on a ride at some point. And interesting, not the uh, not the only film director to have a cameo in the film. There's Ray Harryhausen and Joe Dante as well. Uh, 10% on Rotten Tomatoes for Beverly Hills Cop 3. <laughs> You're listening to the Sunshine Cinema Show with Marcus and Nick. It's time for our uh, rental review of the programme, which is The Secret Life of Pets 2, Rated U. Max the Terrier encounters canine intolerant cows, hostile foxes, and a scary turkey when he visits the countryside. Luckily for Max, he soon catches a break when he meets Rooster, a gruff farm dog who tries to cure the lovable pooch of his neuroses. First time here? Uh, yeah. Oh, Dr. Francis is the best veterinarian in the business. You're gonna love him. He specializes in behavioral disorders. Behavioral disorders? Yeah. But I don't have a behavioral disorder. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I worry a little, sure, but it, it's, a, it's a dangerous world. You'd be crazy not to, to worry. Yeah, I'm fine, too. It's, <laughs> it's my human that's nuts. I mean, you know, I, I bring her a dead bird, she throws it out. <laughs> I bring her a dead mouse right in the garbage. There's nothing I don't got enough for you, mother! Okay. I run and I run and I run and I run and I get out, and I've gone nowhere. Uh, my owner always says, you're such a good dog, and I feel like a good dog, but what if deep down I'm a bad dog? What if I'm a bad dog? (laughs) We start fires. Max? Well, the Oscar-nominated director, Chris Renault, returned to direct The Secret Life of Pets 2. Uh, you may know him from his other films, including Despicable Me, Despicable Me 2, and The Lorax. Also returning for the sequel was the writer Brian Lynch, a man behind uh, such films as Minions and the Shrek spin-off Puss in Boots. Now, The Secret Life of Pets 2 features the voices of Patton Oswalt, Kevin Hart, Tiffany Haddish, Dana Carvey, Chris Renault, oh yeah, he puts himself in there, why not, and... Harrison Ford. Right, Nick. Come on, tell us. What are these scamps up to this time? Oh, all sorts of things. Oh. All over the place doing doing stuff. Literally. I mean, for, for the majority of the running time in this film, the characters are uh, they're all they're all split up. Which feels like an odd choice, because the first film had uh, just one plot line, like most films. Well, certainly like, like most animated films. Here, um, the, the story is split into three mostly unconnected plots that do overlap at the end but the um the unconnectedness feels very 
uncinematic in, in a way that the first one wasn't. It felt more to me like watching three episodes of a, a cartoon on on TV. Also, it, it feels like that might be disappointing for people who you know, really love the characters in the, the first film, because most of them don't get a, a chance to interact with each other this time around. I can't say it's impacted my enjoyment of the, the film, such as it was, but it um, feels like a missed opportunity. Besides that, it's uh, business from, as usual from Illumination, celebrity voices, bright visuals, and a seemingly unlimited music budget, and jokes that feel like they'd only be enjoyed by very young children. I I didn't laugh once. Uh, I smiled a couple of times, and you know, there's a, a joke involving a laser pointer that I thought was uh, well done, but you need a bit more than that i i think the cast remain distinctive and recognizable uh, and the writing remains the opposite of that uh Patton oswalt replaces lewis ck as the voice of max which besides being a necessary change i, I think is an upgrade in general i think he's got he's got a great voice for animated films and you know it doesn't hurt to have that pixar connection you know, having having some vain hope that some of the some like ratatouille prestige or rub off on this film it doesn't, but, you know, no harm done, I guess. Uh, there's a couple of uh, new additions. Nick, Nick Kroll, who I think falls into the same category as Kevin Hart, who also returns as being a very distinctive performer who can be great in small doses. He's not a small dose in this film, unfortunately. Uh, Tiffany Haddish is new, as, is new here as well. Uh, she sort of neatly avoids that potential pitfall by playing a character who is just kind of dull, really. I mean, she, she's she does okay in the role, but she's not given a, a lot to work with. And, yeah, we also have Harrison Ford, who, credit where it's due, does not sound as bored as I feared he would. He actually puts in a, a, a small amount of effort. As far as notable details go, that's about it. I spent a lot of time feeling like I'd seen all of this before. Um, there are... This is weird. There were several moments where the score, maybe, maybe deliberately, sounds an awful lot like the Incredibles theme. Like, the, the, the exact same riff sort of played on on horn instruments and there's a scene late in the film where you you hear this music accompanying a, a chase on a moving train which is also a scene that we saw in Incredibles 2 last year and I'm not suggesting that this is a, an intentional rip-off because this is a film that has been in production since 2016 before before Incredibles 2 came out but it, it raises a problem best described by um, I believe it was Roger Ebert um, I couldn't confirm it unfortunately which is never ever remind the audience of a film they would much rather be watching and that was a problem i had throughout this film constantly i, I know that these movies don't make themselves it, it still takes hundreds of, of animators and designers to make something like this i just wish that that effort had been invested in something a bit more original okay nick let's get a sunshine cinema show rating out of 10 then uh i'll, I'll be fair to it I'll, I'll give it a five out of ten because I, I, I don't think i don't think I, I would describe it as bad but it, it just doesn't hold up when compared to any of the other animated films we've reviewed this year. I mean, Toy Story 4 was was more thoughtful. Lego Movie 2 had better jokes. Missing Link had more hearts. Even even Smallfoot tried a bit harder than this, as, as much as I hate to admit it. The only thing I, I would echo there is, if you've got young kids, they'll enjoy it. It'll, it'll keep them occupied, It'll yeah. keep them occupied. So some films have two layers of jokes, one's for the young kids and one's for the adults. It, it certainly didn't have adult jokes, as far as I was aware. Maybe jokes for older kids, but even even that's a stretch. Even that's a stretch. <laughs> anyway, we'll um, we'll leave that there, and 
after the next song, we will uh, see if we can squeeze in a few upcoming releases at the cinema and to rent. This is the Sunshine Cinema Show. Well, here we go, final part of the show, which is uh, simply to give you some upcoming releases at the cinema and to rent. And uh, let's have a quick look at the cinema to start with. Uh, Terminator, Dark Fate. Yep, uh, it's uh, it's another Terminator. It's, I think what, the, uh, the the third attempt at starting a uh, uh, a new trilogy of of these. I you remember maybe well we reviewed Terminator Genesis a couple of years ago on the show, and I, I routinely bring it up as being probably the worst film I've ever seen. <laughs> I've seen the trailers for this. It doesn't give me a, a huge amount of of confidence, but you know James Cameron's back as a as a producer, which. I guess means something. Yeah, I saw the trailer as well, and I'm not on board. Mm. <laughs> I live in a world where Terminator and Terminator 2 exist, and I'm quite happy with that world. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to see Linda Hamilton back. Um, I'm a you know, fan of Mackenzie Davis as well, who's in this. It's directed by Tim Miller, who's also the director of uh, the first Deadpool film, and I, which is not a film that I remember as being having really good action if, if that makes sense I mean we'll, we'll see what happens um, also out next weekend is um, okay Countdown oh which is the quiz show from TV no oh. no or, um, this, no no, uh, no Richard Rightly here oh. uh, <laughs> this is about a, an app that you download it tells you uh, when you will die oh it's scary it's, it's a horror film so, yeah. oh okay you know, there's something something spooky going on over the app <laughs> <laughs> that's about it I mean hey as concepts go for horror films it's okay they're, you know, they're out to be a little bit silly Lab's absolutely fine um, not seeing much well, Toy, Toy Story 4 is out on uh, DVD so yeah come on to check that out one if, you, if you haven't already a good choice it's for, a good film yeah, for, yeah. for people of, uh, of all ages really yes yes certainly more so than uh, Sequel Alphabet 2 there's a lot more to a uh, lot more going on with the, the plot and well, everything really. Good yeah. jokes, good cast. And that's it, really. I'm, I'm trying to see if there's any more sort of big DVDs coming out, and um, no, I'm sort of coming up short. Um, okay, well, also out at the cinema the next couple of days is. Um, do we have time? Never comes to the end, aren't we? Never mind. <laughs> that's it for the show. Thanks for joining us, and hope you can join us next time. Bye. If you missed anything in today's episode, you can hear the edited podcast online. Just search for the Sunshine Cinema Show podcast. This is a Sunshine Hospital Radio production. Get well soon.